going into my basketball. Every time I rock, man, this is how we rap around. Peace to my man. Now we got the camera out. Every time I spit it, cross over the all right, hello everyone. This is Josh, also known as Yashu, and you're tuning into episode 36 of the TLOI Talks podcast. Another uh, dope podcast uh, we have uh, right here today. So today's guest, he's like a legendary producer, engineer, and you know, creative uh, content maker in the sense too. He has his own fashion brand and has worked uh, with the likes of Noel Gadget Campbell, Offbeat Smitty, Prezi, Mega, and much more, and has uh, worked with the likes of Armin Van Buren and Marcus Schultz. We have a Turbo VCR, born name Adrian Gariba. How are you doing today, man? Hey, how are you? Doing all right, man. You know, thank you uh, for tapping in uh, to the platform for the very first time, you know, for the podcast. You know, like we've met like a couple of times too at um, mm-hmm. Smitty's uh, show in uh, December and like also I think uh, at uh, Snow to Melt uh, just uh, recently too. And like, you know, seeing you work with like a lot of people uh, nowadays, it's, you know, very interesting too. Like even in that collective too with Mega, Smitty, Prezi, like... They've been like blowing up like all over like the city and all that, like their type of sounds and all that. Mm-hmm. Smitty with the Prince side type sound, you know, Prezi with the UK drill. And I think uh, Mega's like also like sort of like within that whole trance R&B type style and all yeah. that. So, yeah, she is. Yeah, man. But it's, you know, very interesting too to have like an OG like in the game to speak more on your story and all that. And, you know, I want to get into your story for a bit too. So you grew up in Toronto, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, partially in New York, partially in Toronto. Ah, true, yeah. true. So growing up in like Toronto and New York, like what did you uh, grow like which ends did you uh, grow up at and like what was like the environment uh, like for you like growing up at that time? I grew up in Scarborough. Um, uh, I think Scarborough was kind of different back then. I we had like a stigma. I think we still do kind of, but uh, back then it was stronger. And maybe the stigma today is from back then. I don't know, but um, it was really creative. But there wasn't a whole lot of way as far as music to make actual money. We didn't have Drake back then. We didn't have somebody that kind of trailblazed, you know, what happened in the U.S. for him. We didn't have that. So it was pretty tough back then. But I wanted to do music ever since I was in high school, actually. No, I definitely know what you mean. I mean, Scarborough and I mean, New York, too. Like, New York's like the birthplace of hip hop and like a whole lot of other sounds, too. Scarborough, I think it didn't really hit that pivotal moment until like the 90s with like Cardinal Official. Maestro mm-hmm. Fresh West and all that, Danny O, yeah. all these other guys like in the hip hop scene. And then it translated to the club scene like more so in the 2000s too. So mm-hmm. I've definitely like noticed a rise at that time too. But like, I'd say like, you know, like the 80s, 90s, 2000s, like was it starting to get bigger within music at that time? Um, For rap music in the 90s, not so much. Um, There was a scene definitely, but the scene was only local. But for other genres, there was, I mean, we had a lot of global artists at the time oh, in Canada true. in general. It's just yeah. for urban music generally. No, not so much. No, I know what you yeah. mean. And, you know, uh, growing up, like, what was, like, uh, your childhood, uh, like, you know, like, transitioning, uh, like, from, like, different cities, like, in that sense, too, like, with New York and Toronto? And mm. would you say it was, like, a good experience or would it be, like, very different? Um, It's kind of strange because sometimes you feel like you're belong to both worlds. Or, I mean, I also lived in Guyana when I was really young. Sure, yeah. So I was born there. and since then, I mean, I've lived New York, here, Georgetown, London, and Taipei. Oh, sure. And it's, it gets confusing. You know, yeah. after living many places, you kind of feel maybe you don't really belong anywhere sometimes. Yeah, you know? no, I definitely know what you mean, man. And yeah. I mean, Guyana, it's like, it's an interesting uh, part too, because mm-hmm. I think the rise within like, you know, Chutney and like Guyanese culture yeah. kind of hit like Toronto uh, back then, like with oh, a yeah. lot of like... You know, immigrants and migrants, like, coming, like, in the 70s and 80s and all that. Mm -hmm. And 
you know, bringing that whole like Caribbean, Caribbean uh, culture like so like even grow, growing up in like a Guyanese household, uh, like what was it like at that time? Um, I mean, I was in high school. I was really, really into dance hall and I was into I, I was never super into soca or calypso yeah. a little bit, but not my parents were. But I kind of mm, yeah. I was more into dance hall. Uh, but that was when I was in high school. Prior to that, I was more into metal. I didn't really listen to rap, dance hall, nothing. I was all into metal when I was a kid. Oh, true. But um, my parents, I guess they influenced some of what I really liked as as I was young. Because when they were young, they listened to a lot of funk music and stuff like that. So uh, true. No, I know what you mean, man. And, yeah. you know, even in that childhood to like young adulthood at that time too, mm-hmm. like what was like a tubo uh, VCR like and... Like, what was, like, some, like, characteristics that you feel, like, mm-hmm. made your whole, like, main character story, like, nonsense? Hmm. I really liked 80s movies. I love 80s movies. I, I think that's a passion of mine. I was lucky to be, I mean, growing up at a time when you could, like, dream and not have to... I mean, we didn't have the internet, so... I mean, we did, but it was very primitive. Uh, but I loved movies, specifically, like, fantasy movies, sci-fi movies, mostly from the 80s. And there's a little bit of that in everything I produce, no matter what genre it is. There's always a touch of that in there. Oh, true. And, you know, like, even with, like, movies and, like, television shows and, you know, even with music, too, Mm -hmm. like, would you say that your initial goal or idea was, like, somewhere to be in, like, a movie or or a TV show or in music? Or, like, Mm. what were you, like, thinking at that time, like, on what you wanted to be? I had no idea. I just wanted to do music. Uh, I think the... I think my main plan was to produce artists, but I started to dabble in other things after. I started to try to do soundtrack work, things like that. But I didn't really, I didn't really get the business of it. That's the problem with that. Yeah. Yeah, no, most definitely. Uh, This is like kind of like an uh, off question uh, for a bit too, but like, would you say like your influence in 80s movies and just like the whole like 80s style like in general Mm -hmm. played a like pivotal uh, part in, in your music? Because like I've noticed like that whole like, 80s type sound, you know, the whole like Miami bass, synth wave, trance. Yes. Like, I've heard that like in 80s music too. So, would you say like it played a pivotal part? Massive role. Massive, massive. Oh, true. Because no matter what genre I do, I'll throw it in there. Oh, true. Somehow. Yeah. No, almost definitely, man. Uh, just like getting back onto the topic uh, right now, like, mm-hmm. how did you get into producing sound engineering and like creative content work? Um, I, I actually, I was an artist. Uh, when I was 15, but I wasn't very good. I was terrible. Um, I was garbage. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> but uh, I met this guy actually in Mississauga. Uh, he was a producer and I was part of a group. I'm not going to say the name. I don't yeah. want anybody to go dig yeah. up anything. Man, it was really you, cheesy. But yeah. <laughs> um, I think I was only in the group for other reasons. But yeah. um, he uh, he kind of introduced me to it. I went to the studio and I thought to myself, I felt like a fraud as an artist. I wasn't yeah. really that good. But I always admired what he was doing. So I just thought to myself, maybe I want to do that. And that's kind of what inspired me to to go that route rather than be an artist. No, I definitely know yeah. what you mean, man. Uh, because like I think like even with producing and sound engineering too, like even around those times, like it's at a point where like the artist is like more famous too, but like the producer... Is like yeah. solely like responsible for that sound to make it come to life uh, oh, yeah. too in that sense too. So I wanted to also know like what gear did you use like for that first time, like at that uh, point when you wanted to start like making music and all that. Uh, well, I only had analog gear then, oh, so we didn't. Uh, DAWs couldn't do what they could do today. Yeah. So I had a Tascam thirty eight reel to reel tape machine. I bought myself 
I think it was a Fostex mixer. I did everything hardware. Um, I had a computer, but it only did MIDI. So gotcha. I was really, really invested in doing it analog. Although gotcha. I didn't have expensive gear at the time. Some of that stuff now is a fortune, but back gotcha. then it was cheap. Yeah. Um, but I was really, I learned the old way. Like that was the way I learned. Yeah. It was pretty hard actually and time consuming. Yeah, no, I know yeah. what you mean, man. Because, you know, NPCs and like, you know, 808 beats, you know, yeah. like ah drums and all that like they were like start, start a, starting to like come in uh for a bit yeah. too like around that time period but like a lot of like the main like producers and like even people like in that realm uh like a lot of them like had like those like mm -hmm. old forms of gear and all that and yeah you know even like the og ones like you know they were mainly using like the same stuff uh, that you were using to make like more so like with the mainstream mainstream type sound mm -hmm. so it is uh kind of interesting uh, too to see like how gear was uh, like back then versus now and all that where People could just get like Fruity Loops or like also like mm -hmm. uh, Pro Logic or like also like um, I think Pro Tools too. So yeah. yeah. Well, it's kind of come full circle because some of that old stuff is popular again. Kind of strange. Yeah. So I still have some of the stuff I used to have back then. I mean, I didn't keep it. I sold it and then ended up buying it again for a lot more money, unfortunately. But, you know. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, I know what you mean, man. It's in, it's in style again. Some yeah, of true. it. True. And... So. You know, you already detailed, like, on how you got into music, how you started, like, making music, too. Mm -hmm. But have you ever had, like, any, like, family members or, like, people, like, around your circle that made music, you know, the, your musical history and background? Um, mm -hmm. And what also inspired you to become, like, a multidiscipline artist, like, in engineering, producing, and creative content work and taking your craft seriously in that sense? Um, nobody in my family actually does music. It's just me. Um, they were actually kind of against it, to be honest. Uh, sure. They were all accountants, lawyers. They were, they were all really blue collar. Um, I, I, I was like completely different. Um, I think uh, what inspired me to do the engineering part of it is because I didn't want to pay for engineers anymore. I was like, I was producing for a lot of people. And I kept thinking, wow, what if I could just do that? I mean, I have some of the gear. I, I should just learn how to do that, get better. Yeah. And that's what I did. Nah, most definitely, yeah. man. And I know that you've talked about, like, with metal music being, like, a core influence, like, in your sound on, like, how you got, like, got into music, too. But, mm -hmm. and, like, you know, we've talked about, like, synthwave, you know, trance, everything else, too, 80s movies. Mm -hmm. But what were, like, some other inspirations, like, that you've had, like, in your career? And who would you like to work with someday? Oh, wow. That's so wide. Uh, that's the hardest question you could possibly ask me. Um, you mean in terms of specific artists? Uh, like, let's say like mainstream artists that, or like, you know, artists that you yeah. like that you want to work with someday that you've never worked with uh, before. And I guess like with inspirations, yeah. like maybe just like maybe in your sound and in your direction in that sense. The artists that I would like to work with are funny enough, not really super close to my style or my sound and that's probably why i want to work with them um i always wanted to work with uh this guy uh terrence trent darby oh, true. i loved his music i thought it was different unique um there was another artist uh desri she's actually guyanese but I, I love her music she was really big in the 90s but i always thought her voice was absolutely beautiful but and her music was different oh, it was true. it wasn't like anything else and uh for the really really famous people madonna i, I gotta say yeah. it. like it's I'm not ashamed to say it either because uh, <laughs> that's an icon. That's yeah. somebody out of like the the biggest icons in music. She's probably the only one for me that's still alive. Like, yeah. you, you know, you had Michael, you have Prince, you had uh, George Michael. There's like a whole bunch of them, but they're yeah. not here anymore. Yeah. She is, though. Yeah. So.
Nah, most yeah. definitely. I think with Madonna, like she's very open to like working with like anyone, like in that sense too. Yeah. That she kind of likes like in that sound too because she's works with like Nicki Minaj too. She works with the weekend. Everybody, yeah. Uh, Playboy Cardi, uh, just recently chance the rapper, you know. So it's yeah. like she's down to work with anyone that could match her style too. And mm-hmm. I think she's so keen with the Ufa nowadays and like with what's coming in right now. She like she knows like mm-hmm. what's gonna be good, like what's gonna be bad, and all that. It's not like. She's having like the whole like old head like yeah. mentality that's gonna stop her from working with like a no, lot of other. She's stupid. an innovator yeah. always. I would like to see her do a throwback song just yeah. once because she's never done anything like that. I'd yeah. like to see her do something like what she did in the early eighties, yeah. like because that's popular again. Yeah, can you imagine she did that? That would be crazy, you know, yeah. like full circle history kind of thing, you know. True, true. Yeah, I mean Paula Abdul too because I think Paula Abdul like. She had that dope eighty sound up yeah, as well she did. too. Like late eighties, St- yeah. straight up, and yeah. Rush, and all of the, the yeah. whole bunch of songs she had. And like Stephanie uh, Mills as well too. Like I don't know if you've uh, tapped mm-hmm. in uh, with that type of sound up for a bit. Like not really. No, oh, true. Yeah, true, true. Uh, to get more onto your creative uh, process in that sense, uh, what is mm-hmm. what's it like, and you know when making music, and what would like a day in the studio be like for you? My creative process is a little unusual. Um, I think probably for most say rap producers it's a little unusual um i don't make beats so i don't make like beat tapes i don't have like a whole bunch of beats sitting there uh what i will do is i'll invite the person to the studio and i'll just make it in front of them that way they get exactly what they want because i i I play so i don't sample i play everything live so for me having them there the chemistry reading i guess their emotions their feelings even just their facial expression that's my way i don't think it's better it's just my way yeah. You know, the other way is good too. Just yeah, I can never make beat tapes. I just can't be inspired if the person's yeah. not there. Yeah, yeah. No, most definitely. And you know, just like even with the free people uh, right now, like we could like give an example. So like, you know, even being in the studio with someone like an offbeat Smitty or a Mega or mm-hmm. Prezi, like, like how are they like individually, like you know, just like in the studio in that sense too, and mm-hmm. like knowing their vibe and like knowing uh, what they need in that sense. Um. I take like a very, like with them, it's a holistic approach because they're completely different from each other. They're not similar in any way. Uh, Offbeat can rap, but he's not really a rapper. He's more yeah. of a singer. Yeah. Uh, Prezi's more of a rapper, but he can sing. But he's more of a rapper. And Mega is only a singer. Yeah. So, and she's doing a completely d- different genre. But I would say Offbeat and Prezi are completely different genres oh, too. True. So... I think it's just an approach where it's like I I ask them to bring me stuff that they're recently listening to, like other people's stuff. And then we just kind of like play it for maybe about 30 minutes, play whatever. Yeah. And then it's a blank slate from there because it gives me a vibe, a mood. I'm like, you want something fast? You want something slow? How do you feel today? That's it. Yeah, most definitely and it's just like more so like reading the room too because like a lot of people try mm-hmm. like different things to be creative in that sense too uh like you know there's some people smoke some people drink mm-hmm. you know others like they'll put like candles like in the room mm-hmm. and all that like um i've actually uh interviewed this uh one girl uh before that you know she needs like tea when she's at the studio and all that too so it's kind of like mm-hmm. knowing like what they want too in that sense so like, i drink a lot of tea actually uh, I, I collect a lot of tea um after my years living in taiwan i got really into like traditional tea the ceremony everything i do all of that uh, in the studio actually um but i don't know if that helps the artist it helps me though yeah you know well, i'm just inspired that. to be around the gear i don't even uh, need true. anything really yeah true because so. it could be like you know like old school gear on the side too and then you know you can have also, a lot of that uh, yeah. true. i have modular sins i have a whole bunch yeah. of stuff that i don't really need but hey it looks cool yeah. and it uh, feels good i do use it yeah so. true true 
Yeah. But like in terms of like you know weed or drinking, like I don't know if that's like something that you don't. Not me. No. Uh, they they all do. I shouldn't be outing them like this, but yeah. they do. <laughs> but yeah, um, I don't actually. I don't really smoke. I don't drink at all. Uh, I, even when I go to parties, uh, you saw me last time at um, yeah. the last show. I didn't drink at all. I drank yeah. water. That's it. Yeah, it's just it's not a moral yeah. thing. I just don't really. Yeah, drink. No, I got you. Yeah. It's just you know being yeah. in that right element too. Like I could definitely understand too. So yeah, yeah man. Getting on to this uh, other, like, dope question uh, right here, you know, you've worked with, like, legendary, like, OVO engineer, like, Noel Gadget Campbell. Uh, Campbell. It's Neville, actually. Huh? It's Neville. Oh, Neville? Yeah. Oh, true. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's okay. Yeah, no, no worries. I thought, like, that was, that was like, the name for a bit, too, because I was, like, kind of researching, too, but... Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, legendary engineer, works with Drake, 40, yeah. everyone else, I think too. he trained 40. Yeah, true. Yeah. And, like, you know, he was also, like, your mentor as well, too. So mm-hmm. how did you uh, meet him? And how, how was, like, the experience, like, being mentored by him? And if you can, like, what were, like, some gems that he shared with you to be successful, like, in your, cra- in your craft today? Um, back then, that was, like, late 90s. Uh, I was going to Trebus, and he was actually an instructor there. So he mentored a lot of us. Yeah. Um, uh, he, used to have, he used to work out of this studio called Studio 306. Oh, sure. Uh, I remember actually the console, everything. I remember the gear more than I remember anything else. Uh, it was a Westar console. I remember that. Um, he uh, he gave some tips more production wise rather than business, um, and some of them I still use today. Like there's some ways he used to edit velocity on kicks, drums, and then nudge them forward and backwards. Yeah. And these are stuff I, I still do that today. And I first learned that from him. Yeah, I still do it today though. Yeah, yeah. No, most definitely. Because it was at a time when, like, you know, there was no, like, laptops, you know, no, no monitors and all that, too. Like, you literally had to, like, play with the sound, too, and then play with yep. the drums that you have. We were to, doing on a yeah. K2000 oh, back true. then. I remember. Yeah. The K2000, the curse wheel. Yeah. Old, old synth sampler. Pretty cool, though. Pretty powerful. And that was the main thing he was using back then, too. Yeah. No, most definitely. Yeah. And, like, you know, even going to Trebus, too, was it, like, a good experience, you know, like, learning... I'm becoming like a better producer like today and like engineer as well too. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know Trebisa right now. There are like, it's still like running and going and like yeah. a lot of the youth are like really like tapped in like with what's mm-hmm. going on today versus like before too. So have you ever felt like it helped you like in your career in that way? I think back then there was really no other easier way to learn. There was no, in- the internet was very primitive. So it's not like you can go on YouTube. There was no YouTube. So there was only one way to learn. I yeah. did, I do feel for some people, the setting, being in a classroom, learning like that is useful. And for some people, maybe they could just learn better on YouTube. Yeah. Um, I think from my experience, I did get some useful things out of it. But for the most part, I don't know, to be honest. I can't yeah. remember. Because yeah. uh, that's not the only school I went to for this. I went there for production. Oh, true. But I went to IAR in New York oh, true. for audio engineering specifically. Oh, yeah. That I learned some pretty serious stuff because that was very technical. And yeah. that stuff... That never changes. Production stuff changes. Ah, true. But uh, the technical stuff, physics is physics for sound. Yeah, it, nah. it just can't change. So Yeah. Now, I know what you yeah. mean, man. And, you know, like, when I was, like, checking out, like, music videos to, uh, too for a bit, like, on the RN64 page, mm-hmm. a lot of them were mainly, like, animated CGI videos, too, and all that. Just yeah. with certain people moving around, like, certain, like, backgrounds, like, going back and forth. Yeah. you know, 3D, like, graphics in that sense, too. So, like, what, what inspired or interested you to do, like, animated CGI music videos for your songs? And okay. what makes that type of style, like, special for you? Uh, when I started Orange 64, it was me just kind of messing around. I wasn't, I was just making synthwave music for fun. 
at the time, I was managing a streetwear brand um, called Nozo. Pretty well-known brand locally in Toronto. Um, And my buddy Eric, he was the main designer. Thelonious Poon, you could check him out. Um, He was the main designer for it. And he was kind of getting into animation at the time. And he was like, hey, let me do a couple videos. Let's just see what it does, just for fun. We weren't very serious about this. My bread and butter, really, most of my work comes from Asia for mixing, producing, and stuff. But I just thought I would do that for fun. Um, It became more serious, though, as the years went on. But I didn't really... Actually, honestly, I didn't really plan it out to be anything. Sure. Because, like, you know, with CGI nowadays, too, like, you've Mm -hmm. seen it in, like, TV shows, too. You've seen it, like, you know, pretty much, like, everywhere, too. Actually, that same guy, he went on to do a video for Normani, for... Roy Woods, oh, he, did, he did he did a video for um, Soldier Boy, Stove. Oh, he did that. And he did my my videos were the very first videos he ever did. Oh, yeah, yeah, we're still boys. We talk yeah, all the nah. time. I nah. talked to him two days ago, yeah, actually. Yeah. Nah, most definitely. Like, yeah. it's a good experience to have so far to even connect yeah. with someone, like, who's on that, like, same level, too. And, like, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. as we were talking about, you know, CGI, like, it was, like, good, like, within, like, a lot of other times, too, 2000s, 2010s, you know, even now, too. But, like, nowadays, too, like, when we talk about, like, music videos nowadays, you know, it's more simplified for people to do their own thing, too. Like, yeah. you'll have, like, the basic music video, like, in the condo where people are, are like, counting money. Mm-hmm. Or you're going to have, like, the whole, like, Cole Bennett-style, like, music video nowadays, mm-hmm. you know, with the animation, like, the graphics, all that type of stuff, too. So, it could be anything, yeah. you know. All right. So, you know, with your music blending, like, lots of genres and, like, sounds to, like, the likes of, like, the Chemical Brothers, Kraftwerk, Daft Punk. Like, I've noticed that, too. Yeah. And even with Synthwave, Eurowave, Miami Bass, was it mainly, like, the focal creative process and inspiration to your sound or on how you want people to, like, hear your music in that sense? I didn't plan any of this. Uh, I got... I mean, I was doing hip-hop before I was doing anything else. But then I really got heavily involved in synthesizers in general. And synthesizers kind of lead you down a rabbit hole where you start getting into synth music. And... All the genres you mentioned are predominantly centered on synthesis. So yeah. I got really into that. Actually, I went so far as to make my own plugin in, I think it was 2017. I made a plugin with Reason Studios called uh, the Synthwave plugin. So I kind of wanted to make Synthwave sounds just easier for people to get. And the funny thing about it is, it's mostly non Synthwave producers that are using that plugin. <laughs> so, yeah. but hey, whatever, you yeah. know. I think because with synth, you know, it's kind of, yeah. like, interesting to the, to how people blend it, too. Like, I think some people were using it, like, mainly for, like, Kate Bush music videos, too. And, like, oh, yeah. also for, like, other uh, sounds as well, too. You know, like, with TikTok, some people play around with different styles and, you know, they kind of mesh it into different styles, too. So I think Stranger Things had a big impact yeah. on making, popularizing this sound again. Yeah. And I was just lucky to be part of it before that yeah. came out. I was part of that local synthwave yeah. scene. Yeah, that's something I still want to dabble in and do. I just haven't had time to yeah. follow up on my own releases for that stuff, yeah. but no, I love it. No, Actually, um, it was 2019. Um, there was this uh, documentary called In Search of Darkness. So it was a documentary on uh, 1980s horror, horror movies. And I got chosen to be, well, one of my songs got chosen to be in the soundtrack. So that was like, for me, I kind of made it for yeah. me in Synthwave. Yeah. Yeah. Nah, 100%, man. And yeah. I know with Daft Punk's and, like, the Chemical Brothers, too, because, like, those were, like, two main artists that, you know, went on to do successful things, oh, too. Yeah. Like, with Daft Punk, they always have, like, uh, what, their own, like, concert or tour, like, maybe yeah. every other, like, five or six years, like, in France and all that. And, like, Chemical Brothers, you know, mm-hmm. they're always, like, well-known on, like, every, like, festival stage, too. So 
do you ever feel like those two might make a strong comeback, like more so in the mainstream? I know if they that, stay together, yeah. I guess. I don't know. Yeah. I don't think they're going to keep doing music, to be honest. Yeah. They said they quit. I think they actually did this time. Yeah. But I think they released like what their um, anniversary to, uh, I think their latest project, yeah. uh, Random Access Memories and all that too. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, they had a wonderful career. I don't yeah. really think they need to prove anything anymore to anyone. Yeah. yeah. I know what you mean, man. Um, you know, I want to like get to this like other question too. So, growing, like, you know, like living in uh, Taipei, uh, Taipei, I think. Taipei. Taipei, yeah. <laughs> my bad. Um, tell me more about that. And like, even with uh, New York too, like, even. Mm-hmm. throughout like those times in your life and like transitioning from there to Toronto and back at times and what was like that experience like I actually went to Taipei to kind of get away from music for a little while oh. like uh, my wife was studying Chinese and uh, I kind of thought hey I'll just go I kind of need to get away from this for a little while and uh, and that's not what happened uh, I met a local artist at a studio uh, and I ended up doing a song on his album just one song on his album that oh. song went number one in six countries in Asia and then uh, I got a flood of work. I got a publishing deal with Warner Chapel out there. And then I just kind of ended up working like crazy out there too. So yeah, everything changed from that one song. Yeah, I'm not most I thought I was getting away. I didn't get away at all. <laughs> so <laughs> Nah, I know what you mean, man. And yeah. you know, like living in a different continent and like even in a different country at that time. Yeah. Like, was it like hard to get used to like the culture for a bit too? Because I've asked people who were born in yeah. like the home country, like, you know, either like in Africa or in Europe, you know, mm-hmm. anywhere around there, you know, like, and when they transitioned to like moving to like North America, like how was it like, you know, like as a culture sh- uh, shock too and all that, um, mm-hmm. with you like moving from like North America all the way to Asia, like what was, what, what was like, what, what yeah. was it like uh, for you? Like in that sense too, you know? Um, I mean, I moved here too as an immigrant, so, oh, sure. but I was, I was very young and I moved to New York also. I don't know. I feel like uh, if you're open-minded enough, you don't yeah. feel it. It doesn't bother you. It didn't bother me at all. Yeah. I kind of just thought it was an adventure. Uh, I'm actually going back. So uh, that's true. another thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I kind of, I'm just here right now to make sure the guys I'm working with now have like a, a foundation so that they can continue to work with me remotely and their career is set. But I'm, I'm going back to Taipei actually. Uh, true, true. Yeah. Nah, good luck, man. And yeah. um, like if, like on anything that you've uh, learned, like while like learning, while being like in Taipei and all that, mm-hmm. like what was something that you uh, took in uh, from that experience? You know, like living there, like in your past, in that sense. Uh, the number one thing I learned is it's not as different as we might think it is. Uh, the music industry is pretty much the same everywhere you go. It's just uh, sometimes a little more, a little bit more localized. The market, yeah. as far as what they're into, they're into exactly the same stuff we're into. They just have their own local artists as well that we maybe haven't heard of. They know all of our artists, though. Yeah. I know what you mean, man. Well connected. The world is well connected. Yeah. (laughs) Nah, I I know what you mean, man. Um, So getting back onto like your uh, collaboration style right now, Mm -hmm. like we talked earlier that, you know, you've maybe like written like a song for like uh, Marcus Schulz and all that, which kind of became like was like on his project and all that. And then you've worked with like... Armin Van Buren and uh, Gareth uh, Emery. So Mm -hmm. how was it like uh, collaborating and working with them? And what were like some things that you've learned uh, from them that you use uh, for your music today? So like between 2007 to 2009-ish, I just got like kind of like into electronic music because my wife was a singer in that scene. And uh, I started to help her write stuff just for fun. Um, I didn't really know the genre, to be honest. I didn't really know anybody in the genre. But I wrote a few songs, and one of them ended up becoming really big. It's like a 
it was called Faces. And uh, it was, uh, I wrote the lyrics and the melody for the song. And it was on Armin's uh, 2009 State of Trance. And uh, obviously, Marcus Schultz also licensed it to a bunch of his. Gareth Emery did remixes. Meon and Chain 54, which is just Meon now. They also went ahead and remixed it. The song, I think, has maybe about 40 remixes now. Yeah, and uh, it's one of the most legendary, I guess, trance songs of that era. And I wrote it, but yeah. I'm not really from that scene. So <laughs> I think uh, yeah. I just kind of stumbled into that. I didn't really, I didn't intend for anything like that to happen. Yeah. So, and I actually didn't, I'm not even still part of that scene. I'm just friends with some people still yeah. now from, I guess, my success from that. Yeah. So, But you could de definitely say that you've played like a pivotal part in helping them to be like the best in your careers. Like it's like something that's, pretty good like in your resume too like i've worked with people that became like number one like artists like on their songs and all that yeah. too like they've had like gold like platinum place placements too so it's like something to kind of be happy had you know to yeah. kind of be proud of yeah like, that's i mean so, i'm proud of it i'm yeah. not like ashamed of it it's just uh really wasn't uh it wasn't really a goal it was totally an accident true, true. yeah no, most definitely, man. Yeah. Uh, to speak more on, you know, working with certain people too. Like we've talked about the experiences as well too, but how did you manage to work with people like Offbeat Smitty and like Prezi and uh, Mega in that sense? Well, I started with Offbeat Smitty about a year and a half ago. He came to me. He just wanted to do one song. He was bugging me for probably like months prior. Uh, and I wasn't taking it very seriously because I was busy with my work in Asia. Yeah. Uh, and... This was like right around the pandemic and my work was slowing down. Yeah. Because uh, normally what I would do is I would travel to China or like to Beijing or to Taipei to do some work for a few months, come back here. And um, while it was slow, he said, hey, can I just do a song, you know? And I'm like, okay, whatever. So he came by the studio. We did a song. It turned out really a lot better than I thought it would. And he, and he seemed a lot more serious. So we just kind of kept going. And then it became very serious after oh, about the third song when he started to get traction. Oh, true. So now it's a big project. Yeah. So, yeah. And then it and led to something there with like Prezi. Mega, yeah. Prezi was actually a different uh, scenario. One of his father's friends uh, is somebody I produced when I was like 16 years oh, old true. in Scarborough. Oh, true. And uh, it was a complete, like he got referred to me through his father's friend. Oh, true. Really strange. Yeah. yeah. And I think with Mega, because I think she's more of the mystique one than yeah. the others too. So it's like, I guess it's just like a random occurrence that you guys both... Known have... her forever. Ah, uh, true. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's you... actually my wife. That's why I don't really say... Oh, uh, no, yeah. no worries. No, no yeah. worries, man. No, I, I get you, man. Yeah, yeah. Um, You know, to speak more on your fashion brand uh, in that sense too, because yeah. you have like a couple fashion brands that you works with. Like now you have like the Hater Snapback. North America LTD brand. I don't know if that's uh, still up and running uh, for a bit soon. Um, no. So what I did was when I came back from Taipei, I came back in 2013. Not sure. Um, this DJ friend of mine in Taiwan told me, hey, man, I'm making this brand. I want you to take it to the U.S. And I was like, uh, I don't know what you want me to do. I don't know what to do. And he said, well, you have a lot of contacts in the music industry. So maybe you could get people to wear it or whatever. Yeah. That ended up turning into five years of me going to trade shows, doing all kinds of stuff. I went to Milan. I've been to Brazil, like a whole bunch of stuff. We blew up the brand and I just got kind of tired of it. And I wanted to go back to music. I got like a couple of partners that were doing it with me. We got into, I think, more than 300 stores. We had a flagship store in Jeddah. In, uh, we had one in Brazil. Obviously, we had like 10 in Asia. And I just kind of got, I made good money. I'm not like complaining, yeah. but... 
it took me away from music. Yeah. And I, I kind of just, I didn't want to do it anymore. So yeah. I handed it back to the guys in Taipei and I said, I kind of want to step away. But uh, around the middle of the pandemic, they sold the brand to somebody else. And uh, I don't know what's happening, oh, but sure. the same guy who founded the brand now wants to start a new brand <laughs> and he contacted yeah. me again. But what I did instead of me just running it, I'm getting one of my partners in Montreal oh, true, true. to handle it for yeah. me. And maybe, you know, just let him make more of the money this time and kind of, I'll just kind of step back and just yeah. keep doing music. Yeah, no, I know what you yeah. mean, man. And, you know, getting into fashion design too, because I think we already talked about the hater snapback uh, for a bit too. Like, how did you get into get into it and... You know, tell me more about like the one that you've uh, did, like just like previously that you mentioned before, and like what do you have uh, going on uh, right now with fashion? With fashion, I don't have that much. Just that new brand. Um, we haven't officially launched it yet because I feel the retail mar- retail market right now is a little rough. I'm gonna wait until I think things seem more optimistic before yeah. I even think about that. As for Hater, um, I think the biggest achievements we have was the amount of stores we got into oh, sure. and the amount of celebrities we got. We had like Nicki Minaj. Rihanna, there's some shocking people that we had like promote our brand. Crazy stories. Like you would be shocked. Like <laughs> you wouldn't believe this. Uh, in 2000, I think it was 2016, we did a trade show and um, we were distributing to this, uh, a couple of stores in Texas. And one of the guys um, affiliated with that store was actually George Floyd. Oh, wow. And he's in a Scarface video. I don't know if you know. You know, he's from Texas, not from Minneapolis yeah, originally. Yeah. He's in a Scarface video in the background of the video, and he's wearing our hats. And he's the only one wearing it. I actually shipped him that hat. So it was creepy when, yeah. when I, I didn't even realize yeah. it. One of my partners in Denver, he, he called me up and he said, hey, man, you know who that guy is, right? Yeah. And I was like, no. I'm like, I don't know anybody in Minnesota. And he's like, that's actually George Floyd. And he's like, he's like you met him. You sent him hats. Couldn't Actually. believe it. Yeah, it's crazy. And yeah. I don't Couldn't know. believe it, yeah. Like, how did you feel about that situation too? Like, on him, you know, passing away and, you know. Very like, sad. Oh, very, very sad. Yeah. I think the whole thing, the whole thing, the whole situation is yeah. sad. No. I know what you mean, man. And, and it was, it felt like odd because I was sort of connected to yeah. him. That's why it was odd. Yeah. But for months, I didn't know that. That's why yeah. it was very strange. Because when I saw, my friend sent me the video and I looked at the video, I was like, oh my God. And then I saw the comments on YouTube too. And yeah, yeah. sure enough, it was him. Yeah. I was like, I can't believe this. Yeah, yeah. no, because it's like a weird like coincidence. Very weird. Yeah. Very, very weird. And yeah. I don't know if like the family like ever tried contacting you about the situation too. Or... I don't want to use that for promo. It was one of those things like I didn't even put it out. I, di- I didn't put it on social media oh, or nothing. Sure, sure. No. I just felt strange, strange about the whole thing. Yeah. yeah. No, no worries, man. Yeah. Uh, but... um. With fashion design too, like what was like that whole like first introduction to doing uh, fashion design too? Because we've talked about like the brands and everything else too. But mm-hmm. uh, to get into your story on like fashion design, like how did you uh, get into it? My mom actually is from that industry. That's kind of why it was easy for me. She's a tailor and she used to work for a lot of designers locally and internationally. So she was a sample maker. And uh, she kind of like, I've, I've been exposed to that since I was a little kid. Oh, true. That is her main business. True. So and like you know, with fashion yeah. uh right now, like it is pretty interesting to see like what's going on in fashion too. So mm-hmm. like even uh with the boots, like I think that was like the latest thing 
that everyone talked about in, like in fashion too. Like you notice like the red boots that people were wearing and all that too. So um, yeah, those, <laughs> those yeah. Astro Boy boots. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah man. But like fashion uh, today, uh, right now, like how do you feel about it? And do you feel like it's had a good start right now, or do you feel like um, are- streetwear? I think is dead. To be honest, oh. I I know a lot of people will, might not agree with me, but I think it's dead. I think right now vintage is really big and um, repurposed clothes. Oh, true, true. People like taking vintage stuff and repurposing it. Like what I'm wearing right now, oh, which is actually repurposed. <laughs> yeah, it's a nice fit, you know, so. <laughs> yeah, this is from a brand in uh, Philadelphia, oh, Burning true. Guitars. It's one of my boys. Yeah. I actually met him at a trade show oh, uh, in Vegas. Yeah. And um, these are all one of a kind. Everything oh, they true. make is just one-offs. So yeah. I, I I fell in love with all their stuff. Yeah, no, so, 100%, man. Yeah. Um, we just have uh, some of these uh, last uh, questions uh, for a bit too. Um, yeah. With uh, rapper type beats, like, you know, like what I'm talking about with, you know, Drake type beat, Regossa type beat up. How do you feel about that uh, nowadays? And do you feel like if producers like making that diminish their artistry when making those types of uh, productions? Some people are going to hate me for saying this, but I absolutely hate type beats. (laughs) I hate it. I think that is not how you can get known as a producer. It's better to just make your own type beats. What's your type beat? You know, like I think, uh, I don't think it's a a creative way to approach things. I think it's better to just holistically learn the artist, their personality, what they're into, and combine a few of those flavors rather than just saying, oh, this is like Drake. It's like, (laughs) are you really going to be Drake or... You know, I feel like it has helped some people uh, too, like, you know, more so like the producers uh, too, but I feel like it kind of brings like a redundancy uh, redundancy to like, even like when you go like on beat uh, stars or or, like beat store and all that, you'll notice like these uh, names and like you're paying like what, like $9.99 for like a lease and all that too, Mm -hmm. or like, you know, a flack uh, like a lease and all that too. And it's like, sometimes it could be good. Sometimes it could be bad too. So it's like, yeah. Yeah. I don't think they need to do that. I think they think they need to do it. I don't think they need to. And I know most of those producers have the skills not to have to do it. They don't have to do that, yeah. right? Yeah. If you have the skill to copy something, you probably have the skill to make your own too. Yeah. No, you know? 100%. And, you know, with the music that you make now versus before, do you feel that there was, like, a significant, like, change uh, for the be- better, like, in terms of, like, how you started off uh, versus, like, now in that sense? I don't think I've gotten better as far as, like, the ultimate skill because i don't know what that is but i've gotten faster oh true that's for sure i've gotten a lot faster yeah no, and i can not. do everything from scratch now like i can um i can sound design from scratch i don't need to use anything that's pre-existing true true yeah no, i know what you mean man and uh how did you manage to get your stage uh, name uh, turbo uh, vcr by any chance it was supposed to be a joke <laughs> yeah because <laughs> you can't turbo a vcr because yeah. obviously you know yeah, yeah. It was just meant to be a joke. Nothing, nothing serious. Like no, like actual meaning in that sense too. <laughs> no, I was trying to make the most ridiculous synth wavy kind of name I could possibly make. And I thought that was kind of ridiculous. Yeah. So. No, I know what you mean, man. How do you feel about the Toronto GTA music scene uh, right now? Do you mm-hmm. feel that there should be, should, there should be some changes on the direction of where the scene should go to? Or do you feel like it's fine the way it is? As far as the scene here, um, I think, I think we're at a weird crossroads right now because it's kind of like we have this behemoth like Drake and we have The Weeknd. We have yeah. these huge artists, but who else is going to be filling their shoes when they're not, you know, when they're retiring or yeah. when they're not releasing yeah. anymore? I, mean, I can't really yeah. tell who that is. Yeah. I mean, like... We Tor- can guess, yeah. but we don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, Tory Lanez uh, for a bit too, but then... But he was competing with them. Yeah. So he's of the same era, yeah. I think. I don't think he's of yeah. a different era. Yeah. And like, he's one of yeah. them, basically. Yeah. He's one of them. So, yeah, I could say 
but he's not the new generation. He's one of them still. Yeah, not hundred yeah. percent. I mean, like we have like people like Pressa, like a Jessica. Oh, there's Cartier, a whole like, bunch. There's yeah. a whole bunch. But like, who's gonna be going to their level? I don't know. Yeah, I'm not saying those guys won't. I just can't tell. Not you know true. what I mean? I can't yeah. tell. Right now, we're in this weird area. We're transitioning, and yeah. I don't know who's going to be yeah. next. I don't think anybody really could guess. Yeah, almost so. definitely. I think like one pivotal moment, like in Toronto for a bit too. Like it's just kind of like an added uh, thing, but um. I don't know if you uh, saw the doc- uh, documentary, but like the play, the record store, like you know, at college, it's been on and all that. Like they recently, I used had- to go there when they were at Young Street. Ah, uh, true. So I known them since those days. Yeah, yeah. Like you know, being someone who's seen the industry like mm-hmm. at first hand too. Like, how did you uh, feel about that documentary and you know what it brought like within like Toronto music and Toronto culture? And that's it was pretty authentic. I mean, play the record is like legendary. It's been around since I was in high school. So. Yeah. I remember going there, like I said, when they were on Young. Like, you might not even remember that. Yeah. But uh, that's been around. That's a staple. That's been around forever. Yeah. I can't even think of a record store around at the time that's still around today. I can't think yeah. of a single one. Yeah. So, And I feel like even in that sense, too, like, I think, that, like, they are of an importance as well, too. Like, just like mm-hmm. Toronto record stores in general, too, because there are, like, a lot of ones like Sonic Boom and Soundscapes. That I remember used to Sonic be, Boom. Yeah. yeah that, but Play the Record had more, I think, influence. Even though it was a smaller yeah. store, I, I think they had a greater influence on yeah. culture. Do you feel like there should be some stores like that or, like, even, like, grassroots uh, businesses that could make the Toronto music scene uh, go up? Or It's kind of hard to say because it's, like, if the public doesn't want it, then how could it, how could it survive? You know, you sure. got to have consumers, right? Yeah. So it's like if you have a store and yeah, it may be good for the community, but that's only if the community actually goes there to buy stuff. Yeah. If they don't, there's no point. Yeah, no. Nah, It'll die eventually. Yeah. So no, nah, I know what you mean, man. Um just to end it off uh, for a bit too, like I know that you have like a lot of stuff uh, going on. You already like mentioned that like on the pod. Um mm-hmm. but uh what else uh, do you have uh, going on that you wanna like highlight next? Um we're gonna be doing a lot of stuff in New York. DC, Philadelphia for the next couple months with Avi Smitty. He's going to be touring there a lot. So I'm kind of making sure before I, I take off back to Taipei, I want to see that he's grounded out there. Because, I mean, I know a lot of people out there, but he doesn't. Oh, true. So he's going there completely green, completely cold. But he's getting a lot of good feedback. His first show there was really good. So oh, it's true. very encouraging. And I think that's like the biggest focus right now there. And hopefully we take Prezi there next. I mean, he's coming with us on this first trip. Yeah, but um, hopefully he gets to do a show there too. You know? sure. And uh, do you have any uh, closing uh, remarks you'd like to say? Not really. This was fun. <laughs> sure. Yeah. And uh, for people who want to like follow you like on social media, do you want to like plug that in? Yeah, sure. Uh, my Instagram is it's Turbo VCR. I don't really use it that much, but uh, I true, think true. that's the only way. <laughs> no, I got yeah. you, man. Uh, Turbo, you know, thank right. you for thank you like pulling up, man. You know, it's a great experience to share your story and everything else too. And mm-hmm. you know, this is Josh, also known as the Ashu of TLY Talks. Episode forty six gonna drop soon. Like once this is dropped, you can see it on all platforms: YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get, you get your podcasts. Buzzsprout too. You know, definitely uh, tune in. You'll definitely enjoy this one. Dope stories, dope conversation right here, and. That's all I got to say. You know, this is Josh, also known as Yashu, episode 36 of Chilowai Talks, signing off.